10. Uh, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. The Beatitudes. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so I just wanted to, Tim to read the beginning uh, section, looking at the whole of the Beatitudes again. Um, because as we've looked at them over the course of the last few weeks, there are lots of interpretations that people give to the whole of this kind of series of teaching in the book of Matthew. And one of the um, first introductions I had to the Beatitudes was when I first became a Christian. And someone really beautifully just explained to me that in a lot of ways, actually, the kind of journey through the Beatitudes is very similar to our journey through faith. That it begins with blessed are the pouring spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Actually, that's kind of us at that first point of us coming to faith that we when we reach that point where we realize that we do have a, a poverty in our spirit that we have a separation in our spirit from God and we recognize what it is to know the richness and the fullness of a relationship with God for the first time that that's actually when we first know that the kingdom of heaven is ours that we then move on to actually mourn the time that we have had away from God. That sense of mourning that we haven't been in relationship with God for that part of our life where we haven't known him. But also knowing then that we can be comforted and God says, but now you are mine and I am with you and I walk with you. And then going on to the kind of more internal behaviours that God gently changes within us. You know, that beautiful sense of God saying, you don't have to have it all sorted to become a Christian, to become my child. You are simply my child child because you are you but actually the more you get to know me and the more you have of me in my life in your life the more you will start to demonstrate that by changing who you are as a person because you will just be falling more and more deeply in love with me and that brings us to the point that we're at now today where we reach the beatitude that says blessed are the pure in heart for theirs is the kingdom of God for they will see God a really, really massively countercultural thing that Jesus was saying to the Jewish listeners that he was speaking to of the day. You know, a really short verse blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But something that massively challenged those who would have been listening to what he was saying. And also now is a challenge to us in the 21st century where we live such external outward lives to hear that sense of actually it's the pure in heart who will see God. Because much of the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, both from the Beatitudes and through to the rest of the whole sermon that Jesus gives, really challenged the outward and legalistic ritual behaviour of the Jews who would have been listening to the sermon that he was giving. Particularly for the, the Jewish leaders, who a lot of what they believed and what they demonstrated was about the outward. It was about ritual, it was about law, which had moved quite far from the heartfelt obedience that many of the Old Testament prophets talked about. 
that the Old Testament prophets began to point towards this saviour who would come and it would be about a heart relationship with someone who would come, who would be in relationship with them, who would walk with them, who would love them. You know, you may or may not know, but in the first century alone, there were over 600 different purity laws. And every single one of those 600 laws would have been interpreted differently by each of the rabbis who was, fo- who was leading those laws. And if you were following your rabbi and you couldn't interpret these laws in the same way that they did, or that you didn't demonstrate them, or that you didn't behave in the same way that they did, then no longer could you follow that rabbi. Because it was all about getting it right. It was all about what you were doing on the outside. As um, Stuart Garrard, who was uh, one of the members of Delirious, for any of you who were a child of the 90s and remember going along to their concerts and there was a candle on the stage and we cried, Uh, he wrote a book recently about the Beatitudes and he said the outside was everything. The show had to be good. It was all about ritual. It was all about ceremony. It was all about getting it right on the outside. And the more you got it right and the more you showed that you were following the rituals and you were doing the ceremonies spot on to how they should be, then the closer to God you were and the more in God's gang that you could be. But then along comes Jesus with this really simple short verse that says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You know, not blessed are those who are getting these 600 purity laws right. They will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are getting it right on the inside. A really beautiful reminder and a beautiful pointer to a psalm which would have been really familiar to many of those that Jesus was speaking to. Psalm 24 verses 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now this was a psalm that traditionally was read on the first day of every week in the temple as a a, a kind of call into their week ahead. So it was a psalm that would have been really, really familiar to those who were listening to Jesus' teaching because it would have been familiar hearing it on a weekly basis in the temple that this was something that they were aspiring to. This was a teaching that they would have known, that probably would have been something each one of them would have known off by heart. But actually, the teaching that was given every week in the temple maybe had slightly got twisted. That actually it was more about the clean hands element. It was more about coming to God, ascending the hill of the Lord, by actually demonstrating the things that you knew about God in your behaviour on the outside. And maybe that had happened at the expense of what it actually meant to have a pure heart, to begin on the inside then as a demonstration of what was going on on the outside. So again, a really, really short verse, but came with a big challenge for those who are listening and a very counter-cultural challenge to what they would have heard on a weekly basis, maybe being taught in the temples. And it's a really big challenge as well to us as well, today in the 21st century, Because now more than ever, it is so easy, isn't it, to live an external life. To live a life where we say, everything's great, everything's fantastic. Anyone here who is on any sort of social media platform will know it's all about getting it right on the outside. It's all about saying, look how fantastic my life is. Look how great everything that's going on in my life is. 
even if you're not on social media but you still use text or emails, that in itself can do that as well, can't it? Because it kind of takes away that face-to-face contact. You can say what you like over an email or say what you like over a text to make it all sound that bit more okay than maybe if you see someone face-to-face. This is a photo that I uh, put up on Facebook um, a couple of uh, weeks ago. Isn't it beautiful? Look how great my family life is. There are my three girls looking brilliant and fantastic. We won uh, a photo shoot in a school fair. We went along, we had our photo taken, went onto Facebook, got over 100 likes, loads and loads of comments. If you come into my house on a regular basis, as some of you know and do, this is more of a reflection of what happens in my house. We wanted to find one of all three of them screaming, but usually when that happens, we're so full out running out the front door that we're not having time to take a photo. But we haven't put this on Facebook. And I remember um, after I'd put that photo on Facebook of the three girls looking delightful and angelic, saying to John, oh, we should have put the one up of them because John had actually taken one of the three of them screaming. I was like, I should have put that one up. That would have been a bit of a laugh, wouldn't it? But we don't do that, do we? Because we want it to look brilliant. We want it to look good on the outside. And we want people to see the perfect, not to see Thea dressed in whatever she's dressed in, screaming her head off about something. Because actually, it's all about the show, and it's all about the external. Uh, In 1 Samuel, uh, the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, Samuel is tasked by God with choosing a new king. And so he says to Jesse, uh, can you bring your sons along, and I will look at your sons, and I will choose a king. And so the sons are paraded along in front of him and David and um, Samuel looks at them and he says, oh yeah, that one, um, yeah, he's quite tall, he looks like he could lead an army. Oh, that one's good looking, he'd get the people behind him. But then God reminds Samuel and he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God instead looks at the heart. You know, that's quite a well-known verse. For many of us, we might have heard that at different points in our lives. But again, the kind of countercultural element to us, that we don't have to put on this perfect show. We don't have to have it all great on the outside. And there's just a little bit of caution in this, that what we're talking about this morning, when we're talking about a pure heart, and when we're talking about the kind of like essence of knowing God internally as well as externally, what we're not talking about are when you feel so broken inside. For the people who've come along this morning and you're trying to hold it together, and you're trying to put a show on, but actually inside, you're just really struggling, and you're hurting, and you feel lonely, or you feel like you just want someone to put their arm around you that's not what we're talking about because in those moments those are the moments where God says yeah I see that heart and I love you and I'm here with you and I do have my arm around you what we're talking about here is more the sense of I put a Facebook photo up on the outside of my children looking perfect because that's what I want people to think my family life is but it isn't it really isn't we have crying we have screaming and we don't have it all sorted we don't know what we're doing sometimes but you don't want people to know that because you want people to think you've got it sorted and that you know what you're doing and everything's fantastic. Scott McKnight says, the pure in heart know the temptation of externalism and the social honour that comes with being pure in hands or in observance or in reputation. And it can be a temptation, can't it? That we want people to think we've got it sorted. We want people to look at us and go, yeah, 
they're really going for it with God. They know what they're doing. They've got this sorted. They know where, what's, what to do and the ways to behave. Or they're the people who put their hands up in the right place in worship. They must be much more holy than me. They must be much closer to God than me. Clarence Jordan uh, then also says, and this really struck me, this quote, when I first read it. When people attempt to lead a double life spiritually, that is to appear pure on the outside but are not pure in heart, they are anything but blessed. Their conflicting loyalties make them wretched, confused and tense and having to keep their eyes on two masters at once makes them cross-eyed and their vision is so blurred that neither image is clear. And probably lots of us can really actually resonate with times where that's been the case. Maybe a, a colleague at work that you felt so angry towards or you felt really jealous of. Maybe a, a situation um, with a friend where something's happened to them that's been great, but inside it's really churned you up. And actually those times where we've sat there with our college and we've gone, yeah, great, fantastic, aren't we great friends? Or we've sat there with our friend and gone, oh, I'm so happy for you, brilliant. But inside you know that something else is going on. And inside you can feel that sense of jealousy, that sense of anger, whatever it is that you know is not a behaviour pattern you want to be thinking or feeling. And actually those are the times when we do feel anything but blessed. Because we feel that conflicting sense of that, that double life being led. But I'd also kind of say there is a comfort in that too. And the comfort in that is that we're recognising when it is wrong. Because to be so far removed from what it is to be pure in heart is for someone who feels that anger, feels that jealousy, feels that envy, but doesn't even notice it. Because that's just how life is. And it doesn't matter if you feel angry. But actually that sense of God saying, but you've got a pure heart and you are going to see me, almost sometimes comes in the moment where we can say, yes, this isn't something that's from God. And this isn't a feeling or a way that I want to be living or I want to be doing my life. We had, um, or we have, a friend who is quite high up in a Christian organisation. They don't live in Birmingham. And um, he, for a very, very long time in his life, really struggled with pornography. That was something that was part of his life that he hadn't shared with anybody. And that's when those times where we look at that situation, we go, oh, that's not someone who's pure in heart. Look at what they're carrying on in the inside. That's not a behaviour that God would want them to be doing. But there was a beautiful moment in his life when he sat down with a group of male friends and he just said, this is something I'm struggling with. This is something that is going on in my life, which is separating me from really going for it in my relationship with God. And in that moment of him sharing and him being able to be that honest, actually many of the guys who were in that group that he was sharing with also were able to say, do you know what, this is something we've struggled with, or this is something we are struggling with. And that through that, they put lots of accountability in place, they put different programs on each other's computers so they could see what they were accessing. And actually, it meant that suddenly a group of men were risen up who could say, this is something we struggle with. That doesn't stop us from seeing God, but actually what we do with it stops us from seeing God or helps us to go further with God. And sometimes we don't talk about those things, don't we? We don't talk about the things that we're really carrying around in our hearts that are stopping us from really seeing God in our lives or stopping us from knowing what it is to have that really blessed sense of a pure heart because of the relationship that we have with God. You know, I know in my own life, I, I don't know if any of you ever read any Brenny Brown books, but uh, she's a kind of motivational speaker and she's given a great talk um, about the whole writing the script in your head. For example, you know, you send somebody a text, they don't reply. So in your head you think, oh, they hate me, they've not replied to me. It's because I didn't smile at them at church on Sunday morning. That means they think I'm the worst person in the world. I do it all the time. 
Last week, Judy sent me a text before on Friday, before the service on Sunday. Uh, I'd read it in the school playground as I was about to pick up the kids, had sent a quick message back hadn't looked at what I'd read, what I'd written, and predictive text had sent something completely different back to Judy. So Judy read a message which wasn't really the words that I was wanting to say anyway. Um, and so she decided that I was massively angry with her because she didn't reply to my text. I decided that um, she was massively angry with me. And uh, we came here on Sunday morning and both sat down going, are you okay? And Judy was like, are you okay? We both discovered we were absolutely fine and what had been sent wasn't meant to be sent and everyone was happy and it was great. But I do it all the time. And that's, for me, a massive behaviour pattern where I see myself separating myself from God. Because I write a script of what I think is happening when it's not happening at all. And I put all this kind of stuff onto other people. They're angry with me. They hate me. It doesn't exist. And those are the times where I feel feelings which keep me from running my race with God. Because ultimately, the more that we see God in our lives the more that we know God in our lives, the more other people will see God in us. Scott McKnight goes on to say, but the pure in heart see God as a person to be loved. So their first priority is God, and this love leads to loving others well. As we know God as our first priority, we can't help but love other people well, because it's in our heart. We know this love from our Heavenly Father who loves us more than anything as his children. And if we know that sense of love, then we can't help but love other people in that way. We're just going to watch a short video clip now from the recent Pride of Britain Awards, which uh, you may or may have not seen. Um, And it's a clip showing a young guy meeting his childhood hero for the first time. Brilliant. I loved that clip. I love watching the Pride of Britain Awards because I just literally sit and weep for two and a half hours. Um, So that young lad uh, had a very rare condition which meant uh, his skin just ripped off all the time. Um, He had to spend five hours, over five hours sometimes every single day, just preparing to leave the house, having salt baths. And yet he had become an ambassador for children's um, Acorns Hospice. Uh, He was meeting with lots of other children who were suffering in many ways and bringing joy and bringing delight into their hearts. Um, His parents were told he wouldn't live over a year and here he is uh, as a young man doing such fantastic work Um, and the joy and the beauty in that clip is watching a young guy whose heart was full of David Beckham David Beckham was his hero he was his idol he had spent his whole life thinking about David Beckham wanting to meet David Beckham having David Beckham on a complete pedestal and that beautiful just natural complete and utter reaction when he met David Beckham of his heart almost exploding because he was just so excited to see him that moment where his face just in awe and wonder saw David Beckham and then just started talking about his hair and just having so much fun and what a beautiful example of something that is so in somebody's heart just overspilling into their everyday life to the point that they can't help it and that is where the rubber hits the road because actually what is most dear in our hearts and what our hearts are most full of will be the thing that overspills into our lives, into every single area of our lives, into our natural reactions, into our natural responses. And again, the beautiful part of this verse is that it doesn't say, blessed are the perfect in heart, for they will see God. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We're never going to get it right, this side of heaven. We're humans in all our frailties. We are not the Son of God as Jesus was. And we will get it wrong. Sometimes there will be things in our hearts that we don't want there and aren't as God would want us to have. 
And it's not about saying until everything is perfect and pure, we will never see God. It's about saying we really want our hearts to be pure. And the more that we put of God in our lives and the more we take in of God in our lives, the more naturally we will just see God in our lives because our hearts will be so full of him. And that even on those times when those things creep in, like our friend with pornography, like me when I get believe all sorts of lies, that we'll be able to get them quicker and bring them out and get support and get help and be real with one another. Now, this is the bit where this is a challenge for you guys, for any children who remember to ask you. Um, Columbia University recently uh, did a study looking at a condition called keratinemia. Anyone guess what that is? Not enough carrots? Yep. Can't eat carrots. Something to do with carrots. Yep, do you want to guess as well? Did you have a different guess? Not a phobia crest. It is something to do with carrots, though. Well done, everybody. So anemia is a condition where your hands, the palms of your hands, and your feet begin to turn orange because you're eating too many carrots. Now, the experts at Columbia University reckoned that you needed to eat three large carrots a day for a couple of months to turn your hands and feet orange. Now, that doesn't sound like loads, so I'm tempted to do it with my kids because it sounds quite fun, doesn't it, just to see if it would work. But... Again, it's just a beautiful example of what we take in will be seen on the outside. The more carrots you eat, the more orange you're going to become. Who knows what my, children, my parents fed me as a child because it's long-lasting effects on my head. The more of God that we take into our lives, whether that's reading our Bible, whether that's listening to worship music, whether that's just meeting up with friends and chatting about God, whether that's giving us a bit of space in our lives just to think about a verse, meditate on a verse. The more we take in, the more we will become full of God, the more we will see God and the more others will see God in us. How wonderful that as a mum or a dad in a school playground, you are so full of God and you are walking into that playground on a Monday morning that because you know how loved you are and you know that you are loved by a father in heaven as his child all the time, that you notice that one parent who looks really alone and looks like they need someone to come up to them and you are God to them. How brilliant that you could be in an office environment where people are saying hideous things about a colleague. And actually, you know that God speaks amazing truth over you, even in the times you get it wrong and the times that you mess up, God still loves you, that you can still love that colleague who everyone else has been horrible about. Because people will see the difference in your life. And in you doing life that is full of God, people will see God in you. And other people will want to know what it is to become more like God. Because sometimes it's not always about bringing people in. It's actually about just being God out there in the places that God has put you. And that is where we will begin to see the community change, where we will begin to see our city change, and where we will see nations changed. Because we will be so pure in heart that we will see God, and through that other people will see God in us, and they will begin to see God, maybe even for the first time in their lives. I'm just going to um, pray as we close and then John and the guys are going to lead us into a time of worship. Father, I just want to thank you so much for this really beautiful verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Father, thank you for the truth that it doesn't say blessed are the perfect in heart. Thank you we don't have to strive to always get it right because God, you love us in our frailties. You love us in the times we get it wrong. But thank you that you say we can be pure in heart. That as we take more of you into our lives, we will see more of you demonstrated in our lives. 
And Father, we pray for anyone here today who maybe doesn't yet know what it is to have that relationship with you, to know that sense of seeing you at work in their lives. Father, thank you that you love them, that you see them. We pray even this morning this would be the start of a relationship with you. As a God who says, I see you, I see everything about you, and that you can see me too. Father, I pray that we would be men and women who don't just eat carrots, but actually eat you, take you into every area of our lives. And that through that we would see our communities, the places of work, the social environments, our families change. Because people would see something different in us. People would see God at work in a beautiful and real and natural way. Amen.